I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. Joining me today is Michael J. Young, MD, and author of The Illness of Medicine, Experiences of Clinical Practice. Dr. Michael J. Young, a practicing surgeon for 30 years, examines how one experiences medical treatment for both sides of the table, including the significant obstacles patients endure, as well as the exasperation many of the truly dedicated medical professionals feel. The controlling arrogance of the insurance company and the clout pharmaceutical companies have over us has become overwhelming. Patients have essentially no control, and doctors have lost the ability to direct their own profession. Profit-driven corporations dictate how our care is now governed. Most painful is how we are treated by the medical system itself. Absent is the concern of, or the sense of concern and empathy we used to associate with the medical profession. Dr. Young asserts medicine has become a mechanism of profit, a business whose own bureaucratic tendencies have spread like a powerful, aggressive disease. Uh, He's presently a clinical assistant professor in the Department of Urology at the University of Illinois, involved in the innovation and development of surgical and medical devices. Welcome to the show, Dr. Young. Uh, Good morning. Thank you, Catherine. Great to have you here. We have a lot to talk about today. Uh, I think a lot of your my listeners and people who, and those who are reading your book uh, empathize with what you know the what I talked about in the the introduction. So, let's get more specific. What does go on behind the scenes in the medical health delivery system here in the USA? What is happening? Well, I think if I were to put it in in just a few words and then expand from that, I would say that. Uh, in the United States, we're, we're selling disease. We're not selling health. Um, the uh, health care in totality, is, it's the largest industry in the United States, and, and I would make the argument that it is now treating our health as a commodity. Uh, the industry's objective appears to be sustaining the business of health care, uh, and unfortunately, we, the, the patients, are the consumers. We are the, uh, we are the commerce that is being used in this process. And so I yet, think don't we talk about, I was going to uh, interrupt you for a second, but we're always talking about preventative care. That's where we're at. We want to prevent mm-hmm. disease. But you're saying in reality, we're not really, the medical system doesn't aspire to preventative care, but... It's really yes, I, yeah. yes, uh, uh, absolutely. I mean, our emphasis is on is on curing disease, not preventing. Uh, if you if you turn on the television, you will see a thousand ads a day on a new pill I can sell you, but I don't hear any ads talking or at least consistently discussing uh, preventative means of healthcare. Um, and certainly, we know, for instance, in other countries where. Uh, health care is, is more reasonable, that the emphasis is on prevention. We do see, uh, with regular MD appointments, fewer hospitalizations, fewer ER visits, and consequently uh, a lower economic cost to everyone within the system. So we really are, are not selling that. Uh, we are trying to find a, a, a monetary means to... Um, to work the system, if you will. 
whether it's the pharmaceutical industry, the health insurance industry, uh, it has really become a, a maze for patients to navigate through, for providers to, um, to provide within this system. And through it all, we have the costliest system in the world, and I would argue uh, one of the poorest in terms of its outcomes. So we've created this system of it's a big, as you say, it's a big business, and who and we're not as as the patients or as the consumers, we're not really benefited benefiting it from in the way that we could. It's the pharmaceutical companies, it's uh, the insurance companies, um, but how can we rectify that? I mean, isn't is that ingrained in our, let's say, our capitalistic? Uh, Society? Or well, no. I, no. I, I think before we describe a solution, we have to perhaps delve a little bit into some of these problems. And uh, if we look, you know, at the thirty thousand foot view of healthcare, we, we have the most expensive healthcare system in the world. There's no no debate on that. And yet, um, many Americans feel we have such outstanding healthcare, and yet we're thirtieth in the world in longevity. Thirtieth. Uh, we're first in obesity. Uh, the um, infant mortality rate uh, is six per thousand, whereas other industrialized countries are, are three to four. So one has to ask, well, why is this system so so poorly organized and yet so expensive? So if we bring it down now, you know, another 10,000 feet, and we look at how our health care is organized, uh, I, I won't blame capitalism for the problems. Uh, what I would like to suggest as an issue is, again, a, a multi-structured situation where we have extraordinarily um, uh, affected the efficiency of our system. Uh, we have horrible access to health care, a disparity amongst different um, populations within our country, uh, a fragmented System and overtreatment in our system. All of these have contributed to a very expensive, uh, poorly effective um, healthcare uh, industry, if you will. And to affect that, my perspective um, is is to work within what we have in a in a in a society that is uh, predicated on capitalism. And I'm not opposed to that, but. We need to take control. We need to have, from my perspective, some form of a, of a single-payer system. And if you do that, you have now taken out of the equation all of the money that is being spent and wasted, all of the components that are competing with one another rather than working effectively towards one goal. Um, I think a good example of that, a very simple example, is just the information services within Healthcare. Uh, we know that some $200 billion is wasted each year just on over-testing. Uh, and part of that problem is because one healthcare system doesn't communicate with the other healthcare system. Uh, I'm sure many patients who are listening have gone to their doctor's office. Uh, they don't see the doctor's face. They see their back as the doctor is typing in information into a computer system. Uh, that information has a very uh, challenging time, if you will, to have anti-transfer to another system. 
So things get repeated, things get duplicated, uh, causing more, causing delays, potentially errors. Uh, and that's just one example of different companies who make the proprietary softwares for the healthcare record not having one universal system. Um, that's just information. Uh, if we talk about... Uh, well, I, th- I want to address, I want to sure. sort of respond to that because I think that is critical, the information and not repeating the information and spending, as you say, hundreds of millions of dollars doing that. I, I know now that when, uh, at least here in, in, in New York City, if you go to a doctor, you have a portal where all the information goes to and then all of the physicians that you see have access to that portal if you want them to. And so that you, it, it sort of mitigates what you're talking about. I, I, I've seen that as a positive thing. Um, well, it could be. It could yeah. be, Catherine. The, the issue is um, the, the portals have been, ha, have been a, a, another means for patients to get information. The trouble is that the way they're set up, when the patients access their information, they're often um, more disillusioned or frightened because they don't know what those values are that they're looking at. They see an H or an L implying high or low next to a, a lab value. Um, they're frightened. Now they need to call the doctor. They can't reach the doctor because, well, that's another discussion about why the doctor can't be reached. Uh, so they talk to a mid-level person who may or may not have the, the accurate answer, but it creates more anxiety in the system. Um, I would much prefer a, a system where the physician can be reached directly, uh, that one can be uh, consoled that, well, it's a little low, it's a little high, this is what it means. You alleviate so much anxiety, so much misinformation. And then you're driving patients to go to the Internet to do their own research, which leads to more problems. So uh, I think the whole thing with the portal is a, is a idea that is good, but the implementation is not. So in other words, we start with that, but that's just the beginning. I, I think that's really well said, but then we have to be able to access... The, the physician who's going to explain what this information means. Yes. You, yeah. Ultimately, you need an explanation for your lab values, not the lab values. And that's what patients are getting when they go to the portal. They're getting a sterilized number that has no implication of health or disease, just a number. And uh, I, I don't think the patient is qualified to inter- interpret those numbers appropriately yeah, if it's all normal, great, that's fine. But if it's slightly off, um, then what? Is it meaningful or not? And, again, all you've done is, is spiraled up the angst in the system, causing more problems than if you had just dealt with it directly, you know, in the beginning with a phone call to the patient. Um, why is the physician not able to handle the calls? Well, because he or she is, is, is now owned by a corporate system, that is mandating that that physician see X number of patients per hour, per day, per week. Um, you know, their salary and potentially bonuses are attached to that. Uh, so they don't have the, the time. And, again, if looking at the data, we know right now that 50% of a patient's, pardon me, 50% of a physician's time per day is spent on electronic health care record, data entry and administration, and only 25% of their workday is actually spent in patient encounters. 
Which, is, this, is it the same for doctors who work in a hospital system as opposed to doctors who have a, their private practice, a clinical practice? Well, the, yeah. unfortunately, Catherine, <clears throat> the number of physicians that are employed by the hospital now exceeds those who own their own practices. Seventy percent of physicians under 40 are owned by a hospital corporate system. Seventy percent. Forty-five percent of all practices uh, are hospital-owned. So the physicians have really lost control of their own domain, um, again, leading into the business of healthcare. And why is this? Because it is more efficient to own that physician's practice to now um, manage the outcomes, the pathways of treatment, and it, it just spirals on down from there. All right, let's take, as you say, we can't, I, before we try to solve the issues, which, of course, you talk about in the book, but what, what, what's the next biggest problem that you would identify in terms of well, how? Well, yeah. I, I, think, I, I think if we're to, and again, it, it's so difficult in 30 minutes to <clears throat> jump through the hoops as to the causes and resolutions of a, a massive um, uh, system-wide issue, but I do feel that the the insurance industry, who really controls the um, the money, controls the the strings uh, of the puppet, um, has so much to do with the problem. Um, you know, if I were to buy a car, I could simply look online what the price is or call the dealership. If I call a hospital today to find out what is the price of a upcoming procedure. I won't get an answer. Oh, sure, I will at some point. But what I'll get, Catherine, is a question. And the question the, the person on the end of the phone from the hospital asking the patient will be, what's your insurance? Because it is the insurance company that dictates the prices. Uh, it, it determines cost predicated on volume, how much of a, of a particular type of procedure is performed at a hospital, and that will dictate the reimbursement of that hospital by the insurance company, and it, it spirals on down. So the insurance industry really controls um, uh, the costs and reimbursement within the system, um, and I, I think if we were to look at the first culprit, that, that would be uh, where I would point. Um, they manage it. It's, it's an opaque system, and uh, it's very challenging for a, a patient to uh, navigate this. Anyone who's received a hospital bill, now we do have the new uh, no-surprise um, bill that was just uh, implemented to take effect uh, at first of the year. We don't know yet if this will be effective. Certainly it may uh, alert you to what your, your costs will be, but it doesn't uh, negate or change those costs necessarily. Um, so we look at health care. It's the, it's the leading cause, if you will, of bankruptcy in America. Um, so maybe you're told up front what the costs are, but you still have to pay those costs. And again, I think this all relates to who's paying the bill, and we need to get control of that particular problem. Yeah, I think that, but we, we, we just seem, it's year after year, we're trying to do that. And, and uh, you know, the single payer system somehow always goes out the window. People, uh, for whatever reasons, I know it has to do with business and politics and, and, and all well, of yes, that. Well, yes, exactly. Yeah. It, it, you're exactly right. But 
um, it works in other countries. Uh, I was in uh, Europe um, pre-COVID, and I was with a family member who came down with an acute eye emergency. Uh, we asked the concierge for a referral to an ophthalmologist. Uh, we were given an appointment in 30 minutes to a private practitioner who saw us. We were there for hours. Uh, the uh, the uh, emergency, which would have threatened the eye, was resolved, and the bill at the end of the four-hour experience was 100 euros. Uh, if that same problem had occurred in the United States, I suspect the concierge at the hotel would have referred us to the local ER where we would have sat for four to five hours. We probably would have gotten a needless CT scan. Uh, we probably would have had layers and layers of needless testing, and eight hours later, we'd be given a bill of $3,000 and a referral to an ophthalmologist. It's just a complete different way of how healthcare is managed. So I do feel that, yes, we have a capitalistic society. That doesn't mean we can't improve it. Um, look at the VA system. The VA system, the United States Veterans Administration Healthcare System, which has received over a 90% approval from vets, is socialized healthcare, period. How do we define socialized healthcare? We define it by three components, that the government pays the bills, the government owns the facilities, and the government manages the providers. That's socialized healthcare. And yet if you mention that publicly, people go nuts, not really understanding it. All they know is the stigma and the, as you state, the politicized views of socialized health care, and yet there in that environment it works wonderfully. And they have one EHR system, one electronic health care system connecting all of the hospitals so the information isn't lost from hospital A to B to C. All the prices are managed. The pharmaceutical prices are managed. In the free market system that we have, the, the government has acknowledged Congress can't uh, uh, adjust or manage what pharmaceutical companies charge for drugs. That's, that's actually uh, a, a bill that prevents that. Yet in the VA system, the government has said, this is the drug we will use and this is what we will pay, and the pharmaceutical companies fall in line. So I do feel that if we have control of who's paying the bills, we can control so much uh, of the problem, and I think the care quality would improve. So we do have an example. We have a, a major example, as you're just describing here in the United States, where it works. But maybe I think it has a lot to do, and you sort of touched on that, on the messaging. I mean, people have this yeah. idea that they hear about single payer the single payer system and they get socialized medicine yeah. and and, yeah. and and then it, it goes out the window but if we had a different way of set, sending out the yeah. message well your book absolutely but, you yeah. know it, it's interesting it's all a matter of how do you how do you present it how do you paint the picture people are reasonable people are intelligent people understand value um, and I think it's simply a matter of 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 how it's presented. And I, and I would add one layer to this that I understand. I, I, I am not some idealist who says we, we have to adapt or adopt the healthcare system of other countries. We are a much larger system. We have our, 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 our own personality, if you will, in the U.S. versus other countries. 
So let's simplify it. Let's make a single-payer system available. And being a capitalistic environment, if I have the means, if I, have the, the, uh, I can afford to see Dr. X or Dr. Y, fine. Let me get my private insurance, add that, layer that on top of the, um, of the public insurance availability or the single-payer system so those who have the ability can achieve that. But for the rest of us, for everybody else who doesn't have the, the means, at least let's have a system that allows uh, affordable quality health care. Uh, that, in turn, will improve the economics of our country because the cost for everyone is less, and the uh, patients are now getting their health care that they needed. The diabetic is having their glucose measured regularly with regular health care appointments as opposed to showing up to the ER in a diabetic, um, uh, you know, a ketoacidosis uh, emergency state has to be admitted. And we are all, in a sense, feeling the effects by paying that bill, by losing the, the workforce uh, component that that person is now out of the uh, economic engine of the country, all of the thing that goes on, uh, if we could just manage our health care, I think we would, we would do better uh, financially, economically, and obviously with better health. And I think you can expand that. I mean, we always talk about if you don't have your health, you don't have anything. Health is number one. So if we, if we were able to do as you're describing it and everybody had access to health care, uh, all of these other problems would uh, many yes. of those other problems would be solved if you're healthy? You can handle the rest of the stuff that we all have yes. to handle every day, uh, and start with that. Um, to me, I yes, I and, and again, that, yeah. it, the, the whole the question uh, you know started from the beginning. Well, what's the problem? Uh, the, really, the problem, as I said, is, is that healthcare. Uh, it, it's the business that is that is spiraling this system down, and I would make the argument this is this is not sustainable. Um, these costs, uh, you know, uh, half of America cannot afford a $500 emergency medical bill. I mean, that's just uh, mind-boggling um, how, how fragile so many people are in terms of their resources and capability of handling uh, $500, a relatively minor cost, yet to them it's quite significant. And we, we can't have a sustainable uh, uh, economic system uh, if that's all it takes to, to, to knock someone off of a, a pathway to going forward. Um, I have, as a social worker and dealing with, uh, with the, the elderly, for example, um, I know many families and individuals who, when they're prescribed medication, they only take half of the pill. or They can't afford they, it. They can't afford it. And so they're they, not taking right. their medications in the right way. And, of course, then, well, I don't know, you know, that's, that's and, not going to help them get, I, look, yeah. And, and I'm not anti-health or anti, um, I, I'm not complaining for the sake of complaint. I love medicine. I practiced for 30 years. I stepped out of the clinical environment because I found it infuriating. I loved my surgery. I loved working with my patients. I enjoyed it immensely. Uh, but I became um, so frustrated with, with the metrics by which 
I was being measured. Uh, I was frustrated with the bureaucracy of the healthcare system, the mandates from the health insurance industry, the control of the um, the medical legal component of providing health care. Uh, the joy was gone. And so I felt it was time to get out and try to speak about these things, not for the reason of just complaint, but for hopefully trying to implement change. Um, so, you know, just to give a perspective as to why I, I wrote that book and continue to talk uh, and advocate for improvements and, and perhaps a reconsideration of how we view healthcare uh, within our country. Well, I think obviously that's admirable and I keep on doing it because I think we need it. And hopefully there are people on and medical professionals who are on your team who are doing the same thing. Um, we only have a couple minutes left, so I, I want to have you give us the website and or websites uh, for where sure. we can yeah, purchase well, I, the book. I am and, sincerely you know. appreciative of that. I, uh, my website is, is michaeljyoungmd.com. Uh, and through that, one could access uh, my books. Uh, I've also written novels about uh, the healthcare industry, uh, more in a in a, in a fictional um, uh, perspective as well. But the non-fictional, obviously, the uh, illness of medicine, uh, was my book describing uh, my perspectives and experiences in healthcare, um, simply to give patients an opportunity to see what it's like from a provider standpoint and for providers to have a better understanding of perhaps what the other side is experiencing because I think they both are frustrated. They are both um, uh, terribly want to get things better. They know there's a problem, uh, but we have to have a breakthrough, and it, it only begins with discussion, and then we can implement change. We have to have the dialogue, right? I mean, that's key. That's have critical. to have it. Yeah. Right. We can't point fingers and we, we can't blame and blame. We need to fix the problem and not fix the blame because that will get us nowhere. Um, but everyone, everyone is a patient. I'm a patient. You're a patient. Everyone at some point is. And we've all experienced these problems in the healthcare environment. Um, some are obviously um, more significant than others, but at the end of the day, we just know it's not right, and we're all fearful of our dependency on a system that really um, isn't working with us. I, I feel in some ways it's working against us. You have a complaint. You have a problem with the insurance industry. Oh, my God, you're going to, you know, you got to buckle in and, you know, to prepare yourself for that, for that onslaught of, of a discussion, and it shouldn't be. Uh, it should not be that complicated, and I, I don't mean to simplify things, um, but I do feel that the mechanism of improving our health care is to first get control of the financial backbone of how it's being managed currently. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, and you really explained a lot of all of this to us in, in ways that we can understand it, in layman's terms, obviously. Uh, Michael J. Young, Dr. Michael J. Young, MD, is author of The Illness of Medicine, Experiences of Clinical Practice. Thank you so much, doctor. Oh, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Take care. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you've been listening to The Catherine Zox Show. 